Father, we give you glory for tonight. We declare in Jesus' name that, Lord, the entrance of your word is bringing light, giving understanding to the simple, the testimony of the Lord is sure, converting the soul. We pray in the name of Jesus. The Lord, may our words be distilled as the dew upon moon grass, that every one grass shall be benefited, lasted by the influence of the moisture of your word. Let your glory pervade this place. Let there be renewed assurance in the finished work of Christ. Let your name be glorified. Even in Jesus' precious mighty name, we call it down. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You may all be seated in heavenly places. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm very glad to be here once again. And um, we esteem it a great privilege to be invited by Pastor Isaiah and um, Bishop and Mammy. I want to salute all the pastors of the house. Hallelujah. And we believe that God has begun a mighty work in our midst. Hallelujah. And we are not going to miss out on the completion of his work even in our days. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I believe that from Sunday we have been given dialogue of different informations and revelations about the cross and what Jesus has finished for us. Hallelujah. But this year we are focusing on Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. Can we read that scripture together? Ephesians 2 verse 6. Hallelujah. Someone saw me one day and said, are you going to beauty of the cross again? I said, yes. He said, so what are you going to see again about the cross that you have not finished seeing? <laughs> Hallelujah. The word of God is vast. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 2, 6, what does it say? Let's read together. One, to go. And hath raised us up together. Made us to sit together with him in heavenly places far above. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He has made us to what? Oh, please, are you here? He has made us to what? Where? Where? In heavenly places. In where? In where? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. So we know that our focus this year is on raised with him, reigning with him. That we are raised with him and we are reigning with him. Hallelujah. But tonight, I want to focus on it is finished. Say, it is finished. Hallelujah. I know that by Sunday, we'll crown everything up fully. Say, it is finished. Oh, I can't hear you. Say, it is finished. Say, it is finished. Now, there are aspects of the cross that if you do not understand, you will not understand why Jesus came and why the man of glory the creator of the universe reduced himself to three nails. He was held not because the nails were strong. He was held because he chose to be there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You, you must understand this. And this is the season where you should be, as you meditate on what he has finished, as you meditate on the cross, you don't walk with a somber, discouraged face, but you walk with your chest out and your head held high that there is a king of glory who thought of you before you were born? Who decided to die for you? Who even went as far back to the future and even to your past and said, anything this person will ever sin and commit, I will die for him before he ever thinks about it. It's a, oh, color. It's a, <laughs> hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord. Next day, when I come, I'll teach you on the terms of our salvation. Yeah. It didn't start from the cross. According to Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, and Jesus Christ was delivered according to the four predetermined knowledge of the Father. God chose and determined according to the counsel of eternity that Jesus should come and die. He is the only human being who chose how he should die. <laughs> I don't want to go there because if I go there, I'll show you that he's really God. He is really God. Because the way he was born, it can't be fabricated. And that should be your defense as a child of God. Oh, Calabash. He can't design how he came. He can't design the time he came. He, you know, if you, are, if you are not God, you can't, you can't determine the stomach you enter. <laughs> because it's so random. It's too random. But I'm not touching on that today. Hallelujah. Because if you look at how Jesus came, brothers, the man chose how he will come. The man designed the stomach he will come out of. The man chose the city he will come out of. He chose the time he will come out of that stomach. He chose everything before he came. That tells you how much God is. Hallelujah. He's deliberate. I said he's deliberate. Hallelujah. But there are certain realities about our redemption. If you know this, you will properly reign with him. You see, many have been raised with him, but many are not reigning with him because they don't understand the contract. If you don't understand the contract, nothing can change. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And has made us to sit together with him in heavenly places far above principalities and powers. That in the ages to come, that in the ages to come, Ladies and gentlemen, Christianity starts from Satan. <laughs> In Christianity, we start from Satan before we enter walking, then we finally understand him. <laughs> In the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, the child of God starts his life by Satan. In Ephesians 4, he experiences the life by walking. In Ephesians 6, he maintains the life by standing. Having done all this, take on the full arm of God that ye may stand. So you stand to maintain the life you have. But you walk to experience the life you carry. But you sit to meditate on the life you have. <laughs> and so this is a serious reality. You don't know what you carry. So Satan is beating people. Ah, the devil is having a few days. It is a lack of prayer. It's a lack of knowledge. My people perish. He didn't say the people. He said my people. So you can be God's people, but you are still perishing. I was sharing for a group recently about how Jesus operates. Do you know many times in Luke chapter 24, Jesus appears between two disciples on the road to Emmaus after resurrection. And he begins to hear them discuss. And he says, oh, ye fools and slow to believe. Did he not say he shall die and resurrect three days after? And the Bible says, beginning for Moses and the Psalms and the prophet, Jesus began to expound unto them all the things that were written concerning him. And the Bible said, when they got to the house, it was late. But Jesus, he said, the Bible said, Jesus determined to continue. And the people said, please come. You are dead. You don't need a car. You don't need a horse. Where are you walking to? But he says, please come. And the Bible says, after he had break bread, he vanished from their side. It means he didn't need to continue walking. 
he just walked away so that he can be invited. One day he saw them on their ship in the boat at midnight. And Bible said the Lord appeared on the water. And when he was walking, he was passing by them. <laughs> they said, Lord, is that you? Please enter. <laughs> he knows where is he going again? But he intentionally, because the Lord will not operate without invitation. If you don't understand this term, you can have the greatest contract upon the face of the earth and you will still be broke. He still wants you to say, please come before he shows up. So in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus has walked on water. And the Bible says, Peter said, Lord, if it is you, bid me come. Listen to what the Bible said. The Bible says, he said, it is I. And Peter began to walk on the water. And the Bible says, as Peter saw the boisterous wind, he feared and began to sink. Then he said, save me, Lord. And the Bible used a very interesting phrase, immediately. Immediately is an English word which implies a consonance to a previous action. Immediately cannot stand alone without a previous action inviting it. It means that if Peter didn't say, save me, he would have sunk in his presence. Yeah, because perhaps as soon as he says, save me, Lord, that's where the Lord immediately. Because the Lord told him, of course. By the time the water got to his mouth, Peter said, save me, Lord. So the Lord saw him when the feet was entering the, 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 the water. He saw when the water got to his knee. But till Peter said, save me, Lord, he would have sunk in the presence of the Lord. This is the story of many Christians today. We are in the realm of power. We are connected to deity, yet we are quiet. He said unto you, open your mouth. Immediately will not happen. <laughs> he wants to immediately intervene, but you are also quiet. He said unto now, you have received nothing because you have not asked. Ask that your joy may be full. Is somebody here tonight? I'm going to touch an aspect that I want you to really take note of. Hallelujah. Say it is finished. Say it is finished. Say it is finished. Say it is finished. Ah, it is finished. Hallelujah. Now, can we turn our Bibles to Leviticus chapter 2 from verse 4? Leviticus chapter 2. Can't read together. Leviticus chapter 2 verse 4. It says, and what? If thou bring an oblation of a meat offering, baking in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour, mingled with oil, or unleavened wafers, anointed with oil. Verse 5. And if thou, if thy oblation be a meat offering, baking in a pan, it shall be of fine flour, unleavened, mingled with oil. Verse 6. Thou shalt part it in pieces and pour oil thereon. It is a meat offering. Verse 7. And if thy oblation be a meat offering, baking in the frying pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. Hallelujah. Now, actually, this is a prophecy about the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. It is flour because flour actually speaks of humanity. But fine flour speaks of fine humanity. It speaks of Christ. Jesus' humanity is not coarse. It is fine. Hallelujah. He is firm yet not hard. He is meek yet not soft. He is gentle yet assertive. <laughs> that is the Lord Jesus Christ. His humanity is fine. Praise the Lord. 
That's why it calls a fine flour mixed with oil. I'm not talking of the, the offerings today, but I want to show you something. There is the oven offering, the offering that was offered by the, the meat offering that was offered through the oven. There was the offering also that was offered in the pan. And there was also the offering that was offered in the frying pan. The oven in those days was actually a dug out part in the, in the house. And usually it was in the earth, but they seal it with a certain clay dimension and seal it and cover it. So that when they put heat around it, they cover the top and the, the heat in the, in, the, in the ceramic bakes whatever they are cooking. Then they had what they call the pan. The pan was actually a, a bowl that was half covered. It was not fully covered, partially covered. Then they also had what they called the frying pan. And the frying pan was what they used for their stews and stock. And that one, it was done openly. This speaks of the threefold dimension of the sacrifice of Christ in this earth. The oven speaks of the sacrifice and the travail and the heat of the punishment Jesus went through that our eyes cannot see. There is something that happened for the master to shout on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, Sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There was something going on our eyes couldn't see. The people around said, alas, he called it Elijah, but they didn't know what he was talking about. God has never forsaken the son, but something was happening in the spirit. There was an unseen turmoil. There was an unseen suffering. There was an unseen death the man was going through we couldn't see. But there's also something called the frying pan experience. And the pan experience. The pan was half covered. These are the sufferings of Christ that he went through that we partially see. For instance, the temptation in the wilderness. We cannot comprehend fully what it took for the king of glory to be tempted in all points. We can't comprehend what it means for Lucifer to take him to the highest point and say all the kingdoms are mine and the man is standing there. He is the God of all creation. His creation is now offering a kingdom to him. You have no idea. If you read when God walked the earth by Rick Joyner, he said, even Jesus had to order Michael not to intervene. He told the angels that were in his cohort that don't enter the wilderness with me. I go alone. And they said, Rick Joyner, because he's a prophet, he said he saw how Michael was agitated. Why? When Jesus entered the desert alone, he said he saw how the demons and the fallen angels were snickering and laughing and mocking him. And Michael wanted to just pull his sword out. Because according to angelic history, the drawing out of Michael's sword wipes away 1.7 billion angels. So even drawing the sword does something. Michael was just moved. He was like, Ay. But Jesus said, don't follow me. I go alone. I have to be tempted like a man. No angelic assistance in this one. Everybody stay back. And the angels were just watching. Satan was having a field day. You have no idea. You see, if you know what he went through, eh? you would just look Satan eyeball to and say, get out of here. If you knew. If you knew. And that's what E.W. Kinyon would say. Righteousness concept is standing face to face with Lucifer eyeball to eyeball and instructing him to depart irrespective of the crimes you have committed. That's righteousness. Because it is not on the merit of what I did. It is on the merit of what he did. So irrespective of what I've done, I have that authority to say, Lucifer, this issue is between father and son, not angel and human being. Get out. That's how you talk. Righteousness. Because you know it's on payment. If you knew it was paid legally, 
you will not go to class afraid you'll be sacked school fees. Because God didn't redeem you mercifully. Neither did he redeem you by, by hope. So that when you are in the class and God is angry, you are suspecting whether he has really forgiven you. But he forgave you because of someone's payment. So if you have been paid for, for your school fee, if, for instance, you are in a school and they tell you that come and write the exam, hopefully next week you will pay. And when you are writing the exam, they say, all oh, those who owe school fees, come out. And it is not the person who said, come and sit down. You see, your heart still is beating. You are not sure. Perhaps this man will say, come out. Who will speak on your behalf? That is mercy. That's why God went beyond mercy and decided to save us righteously. Why? So that even though I can't pay, someone has paid on my behalf. I didn't pay myself, but someone offered to overpay. Time will fail us to go there. The payment of Jesus Christ was an overpayment. If you owe 5,000, Jesus paid 5 billion. <laughs> oh, you don't get it. It is an overpayment. So it never finishes. <laughs> Time is too small to consume what he paid for. <laughs> it oh, eternity will show you the full payment and what it meant. I wish you knew this. That is righteousness. That is, you must know. If you open your door and the thief comes to rob you, is the thief right? Tell me. You know, in this part of our, oh, because you opened your door, the policeman will tell you, ah, close your door, so that's why they come. <laughs> no, the issue is, not, that's why he's called the thief. Whether I open my door or I close it, if a check gets missing, it's not legal. It's an illegal transaction. So if I sin, and because of that, certain things are happening to me, Lucifer has no chance to enter the matter. Because he's not the one I sinned against. Neither is he the one who can forgive me my sin. So what is he doing in the premise of sin? <laughs> oh. If you don't know this, you always be sitting on edge. Will God throw me down? <laughs> it's like you are not sure. <laughs> oh, let me show you something in John chapter 10, verse 28 to 30, quickly. It's in the Bible. John 10, 28 to 30. Hi. John 10, verse 28 to 30. We've been quoting, I and my father are one. Have you noticed? I and my father are one. But we don't see what, what led to that. Now, I give unto them, that is the church, eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man be plugged out of my hand. Do you understand the word never? This word never is actually three Greek words. It's is oma nae. Which means to say never. Not for any means in this life or in eternity to come. He's saying that <laughs> it is actually a triple reference word. Which means to say even time cannot pluck you out of the hand of God. No, 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 no. You don't understand. That's why when you read the Bible, anyone who walk away from the Lord, the word will flee is used. Not God who sacks you. It is you who walk away. Not God. God will never sack you. It's true. Read the Bible. He said, when a man who has tasted of the good word of the Lord, the powers of the age to come, and all the things God will do for him when he falls away he said it is impossible for him not for God the impossibility is not on God's side it's on the man's side because his conscience has been depraved he has warped up what he once believed so that's why I said they that willfully their will has been invoked so that one is not walking away from God by mistake 
If you are not assured, you always be afraid. You always be working in fear and trepidation. I preached this thing at a full gospel meeting, and a certain parliamentarian came to me and said, Man of God, the way I'm teaching this thing, it will make people walk away and become continue to sin. I said, Don't worry. Paul also did the same thing. And he said, Should we continue to sin because I've preached about grace? He said, God forbid. How shall ye that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So when I talk about assurance of salvation, I'm speaking to people who are dead to sin. So you can't have license to sin because you're already dead to sin. So you can't sin. I'm just helping your conscience so that you can stay the course and believe that he's not going to forget you. He shall in no wise cast away. I'm sticking to God because it's a forever transaction. Whatsoever the Lord shall do is forever. It's not temporal. It's forever. Mm. But tonight I want to speak about the frying pan experience. The one we saw. And one of the things I want to touch about. You saw it, but you didn't take note of it. But I want to bring your attention to it. Say Jesus has done it. Oh, say Jesus has done it. You remember when I taught on the cross initially. I explained to you the origin of the cross. Now, according to scripture, the cross was for certain qualified people. The cross was not for anyone. So, if you check the Bible, majority, about 80% of the disciples died by the cross. But Paul didn't die by the cross. Reason being that Paul was a Roman citizen. The others were Jews. So, they were qualified to die on the cross. Roman citizens, no matter how depraved and hideous their crime is, they can never be crucified. So even Jesus Christ took his time to come. Because the cross was developed in Genesis chapter 10 by a man called Nimradus, a.k.a. Nimrod. His name is the man of rebel. That's the full meaning of Nimrod. The man of, you know why? Because God said, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. God's vision for man was to spread out in the earth. But Nimrod was rebelling against that command to gather all in one place. That was his rebellion. God said spread. Nimrod said all of us at one place. And God says, no time for that. That will happen in kingdom. But you want to go against my standard. And his mother called Semisramis. If you've read your Bible well, in Ezra, Ezekiel, Nimrod is actually reincarnated and called Tammuz in the Bible, the sun god. That's where Baal came from. Baal, sun worship. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Please go and, go and get the tapes. I went into a little of those things a little last year and two years ago. Hallelujah. It's good to have tapes. You can tell them, go and get the tapes so you can continue the message. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But the mother, Semisramis, actually designed the cross. And when she designed the cross, that's what she used to kill and punish and torture her enemies. And Nimrod adapted it. And when she adapted it, they originated a certain ancient Babylonian cult. That cult, in fact, the name Babel is actually the root word for Babylon. So Babel is the root from where Babylon came. So when Babylon came, Babylon also adapted it. And that ancient Babylonian cult, when the Romans also came, went to adapt that ancient Roman cult, and the, and the empress and the Caesars went to pick out how they also punished people who were fighting the kingdom. 
and they went to adapt the cross. But they perfected it. So we have the cross Sabusa, cross Imisa, and cruz. You know, we, I mentioned a lot the T cross, the X cross, the inserted cross, and the I cross. There's a cross that's just a pole. There's a cross that's a T. And there's a cross that actually is an X. That's the cross of Andrew. Uh-huh. But Jesus' cross is not a T. Jesus chose that cross. Jesus didn't die on a pole. <laughs> Neither did he die on an X. He died on a cross that was inserted. So that it was carved in such a way that it was inserted so that you have something like a plus. Even that cross was designed for him for a purpose. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. And that cross was the height of all the crosses. Because that cross was designed to have a seat for you to sit whilst being, di- being killed. So the original cross had a seat by their buttocks and a seat by the foot. It was not designed to kill you on the spot. It was designed to torture you. That's why it was called crucifracture. The breaking of the knees is what ensured death. And man of God, this is what I know that Jesus is Lord. And he designed how he would die. How did the soldier know he must not break the master's feet? Because scripture had prophesied, none of his bones shall be broken. And he's already dead. So he can't tell the soldier, don't touch me. He's dead. So how did the soldier know who has not read a single scripture before that I must not touch his knees? He is God. <laughs> he designed all already. <laughs> and nothing could take it away. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So when the man came on the cross, I kept reading, why, Lord, why, Lord, why, Lord, why, why? On the cross. Now, when you read the Bible in Ephesians chapter, sorry, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14, the Bible says, and he has entered in once for all to obtain eternal redemption for us. He entered in once for all, Hebrews 9. Aha, yeah. Go to, go to verse 12. Aha, verse 12. All right. He has entered to obtain eternal redemption for us. This redemption, you must understand the full package. There are four words in the Greek for redemption. Four words in the Greek for redemption. Sunday will continue the message. But there are four words in the Greek for redemption. The first one is agorazo. Say agorazo. You have the word agora from it. Agora. Agorazo. A-G-O-R-A-Z-O. Agorazo. Then the next one is ex agorazo. Or ex agorazo. Then there's another one called Lutro, L-U-T-R-O-O. Then there's another one called Apo Lutro. Apo, you add A-P-O to Lutro, L-U-T-R-O-O. So Agorazo, Ex-Agorazo, Lutro, Apo Lutro. Is somebody here? Is somebody here? Now, that word Agorazo is actually to go to a slave market. Agorazo. To enter a slave market. In those days... There were different markets. There was markets for um, um, produce, and there was a market for slaves. It was called the slave market. When you enter the slave market and you want a slave, you do a temperamental test. You see the slave you like. Number one, you have to do temperamental test. So you slap the slave and hit the slave, punch him to see if you react. Then he's, he has a good temperament to be your, your slave. If he's too aggressive, you know he can come and kill you in the night. <laughs> so you'll punch him to see if he can take the pain in. Then they also do dental checkup. They open his mouth to see if his teeth are in place. And they check his shoulders to see. Uh-huh. It's like a human being you have put on bail. But checking if everything is perfect. And that's how it was. 
So that was actually Agorazo going to the slave market. Why? Why is it Agorazo? The Bible says in Romans chapter 7 verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. The word sold is the word peprasco, which means to sell to another owner. When Adam ate of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, we were sold to another master. He sold us to another master. So the master had to come to the slave market. That, ma- that master gave us all as slaves. And he kept us in slave- slavery and bondage. And the Lord Jesus Christ came. Or have you not read what Hebrews chapter 2, the verse number 14 said, For as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, likewise he also partook of the same, that he himself might through death destroy him that had power over death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. They were under a certain bondage. They were changed by the devil. And Satan was the slave master. So Jesus came to the slave market. Agorazo. He left glory to come to a market. He left eternity. And he crossed rivers. And he came to a market. And when he came to the market. He was looking for you and I. Ladies and gentlemen. If you were the only human being on earth. He would come to that market. He didn't come to the market because we were 30,000. Because by the time he was dying, there was not even a single Christian. They were just disciples. Some had even run in the, wood, in, the, in the garden with him. So he was not even sure he was dying for anybody. It was a great risk. But love, the love of Christ constrains us. For we thus charge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Because of love, the man came. For God so loved the world That he gave his only begotten son And when love came to people who didn't deserve it He said grace has appeared (laughs) Love was sent But it was grace that showed up Why? The loved were not deserving of the love So he had to come as grace (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen He came to the market But when he came to the market He saw us he inquired of what he had to pay. And Leviticus chapter 17 said, The soul that sins must die. Leviticus 17 said, It is blood that makes atonement for the soul. So Jesus realized, If I need to buy these slaves, I need to give blood. I need to give blood. Not just give it as a blood transfusion sitting on a chair. But death must occur. Because there was a sword in Eden, spinning, protecting the garden. And Zechariah said, chapter 13, he said, ah, what is this nails and wounds we see in your body? And the master said, these are the wounds I received in the house of my friends. I work all sword, smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall scatter. The sword was awakened on the cross, because that was the place of payment. Oh, la la ba ba ba. That, that payment, that agorazo thing, it was on the cross. It was on the cross. It was on the cross. When the man went to the cross, agorazo was occurring. He had entered the slave market. Because I just said to you, it was for the lowliest of criminals, slaves in the lowest estate. So where slaves die is where the slave master will be found. And that's where the slave exchange can occur. So the man came to the cross. <laughs> and when he came there, 
there's another one called ex agorazo and in ex agorazo payment was made 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 and not only payment translocation from the slave market okay Ladies and gentlemen, I will show you what happened in that slave market. I will show you something. And you understand something that this work is indelible. This work is can't be changed. This work, everything you have gone through is an illegal transaction. It's not legal. It's oh, it's not legal. It is not legal. What is a case? Spoken words with an irreversible token. Water, egg. Because they bust egg, they are trying to tell you what I just said. If you can patch the egg, then you can reverse it. So then, I also have a blood that is also irreversible. Plus some spoken words. He said, we have come to the blood of sprinkling. The blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. And Hebrews 12, 24 said, he says, see to it that ye refuse not him that speaketh. He is calling the blood a him. <laughs> oh, there's a place to reverse a case. <laughs> oh, you, I, I wish you get this one. I wish you get this one. Some people came to the man of God. He said, okay, so we have, I said, listen, let me show you a secret. You said some witches are causing you to be poor. I said, no problem. Let's kill the witches. We kill witches. We kill family demons. We shoot them. Pay. Botio. Now that, that's the only thing on TV, mommy. Botio, pay. Wonderful. Since I'm a prophet, let me do some. <laughs> Hallelujah. You have killed all the demons, but you are still not about a car. What is going on? Has another demon risen up? Has another witch risen up? You know what is going on? You can kill the witches on earth. Murder Satan in hell. If this your conscience is not renewed, Satan will be dead and you still still there's a Satan killing you. You didn't renew this, but you are killing things. So though the things are dead, your situation has still not changed. It is a renewing of a mind. It's not the killing of a witch. It's the renewing of a mind. It's not the killing of a witch. <laughs> oh, kill all the witches. You see, you still don't have thousands in your account. Because you are still sleeping. I'm not working. You don't blame. You don't blame they are witch, so now, who do you blame? So now you don't blame witches. Now you say, oh, your uncle did it too. My mother, she didn't give me a good education. You see, now you are finding a reason to blame someone. That's human nature. The human nature always wants to blame somebody. But himself. Ah. Say ex agorazo. <laughs> Please, I didn't say Agunas Redru. I beg. <laughs> Somebody say Agunas Redru. I didn't say Agunas Redru. I beg you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Ex agorazo. This is payment. And taking what has been paid for out of the market. This is payment and taking what has been paid for out of the market. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. It said Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. 
be made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is the man that hungered upon a tree. Do you understand what it means? Oh, uh, today I'm not touching that, but let me just mention it to you. When the Bible talks about curse, the curse you have been redeemed from, is not a curse that Adam prolongs on your head. There is a curse in the law. You know what the curse is? Trying to achieve by your strength what the law is demanding. That is the curse. And as long as you do that, but the Bible says, Christ has been made the curse for us. You know what it means? How can a person become a curse? It means he has become the action of achievement of the law. <laughs> so what the law is demanding, Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill it. Why? He became the curse for us. Not a written statement, but the demand of the action, which we are not able because of our depraved nature to meet up to the standard of God. So he became that impersonification of the action. So once Jesus becomes the persecution of the curse, the Bible says we have been redeemed. We have been redeemed from that curse. So when God says, thou shall not, don't go here, don't do this, it's not you attempting, it's you believing. <laughs> That's why I said, how shall we work the works of God? It is not trying, it is believing. Jesus answered in John 6, 28, believe in him that has sent. How do you, what is that? How? we want to work, you too, you say we should believe. Because he's trying to tell you that the work you want to end, you know, invoke your effort. It's not in invoking effort. It is in believing a person who has, who has rendered the effort on your behalf. Mm. Do you know even your faith is not your effort? The Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But not I. The life I now live. Listen, I live by the faith, not of Adam, but the faith of the Son of God, who gave himself for me, which means to say, he believed for me, so that I just believe in his believing. So when I see someone who is sick, I don't go like, God, I've not prayed enough, I've not fasted enough, just go like, God, what do you say about this? Oh, you know, I've, I've, I've done it already. I said, Lord, is he healed? He said, he's healed. Father, I thank you, he's healed, in the name of Jesus. So whether I believe or not, you'll get fine. I remember a certain woman came to Ora Roberts. And he said, pray for my daughter and she'll be fine. And Roberts said to her, he said, woman, I don't have faith at this time. I don't think, you do know Ora Roberts. Okay, let me use someone like Bishop Edipo. Imagine Bishop Edipo telling you that I don't have faith at this time to heal your child. Do you see how strange it is? That's who Ora Roberts was in his day. The man of healing and faith. And he said, I don't have faith. Then the woman looked at him and said, sir, I don't want your faith. I have faith already. I want your prayers. I didn't ask you to have faith. I asked you for prayers. And Oraraba said, okay. He laid hands on this boy. Then the next day, his dickens came and said, Papa, the boy you prayed for yesterday is fine. He said, is that so? He himself, even when he was praying, didn't believe. He said, is that so? He said, yeah, it's very fine. The woman said, I have faith. I want your prayer. Don't, I didn't, he said, Pastor, I didn't ask you to have faith. I said, I have the faith. You do the praying. Oh, am I talking to somebody? This is how it works. So you lay hands, not because you have faith. You lay hands because Jesus said it's yours. You lay hands because Jesus said in his name you cast out devils. 
whether the devils look bigger than you, whether they are giants, whether what, whether they are older than you. So when you go for a meeting and a certain person is manifesting, I am the witch of Endor. I am the giant of Akosombo. I am thousand years old. Tell that demon, shut up. I didn't come to do discussion of age. I know you are older than me. I know you have been here longer than me. But I came in the name of the one who has believed for me. Out. That's all. That's all. It's not how long you fasted. It is the one you are believing in. Ex Agorazo. He has redeemed us. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been redeemed. Tell your neighbor you have been redeemed. Today, when you see thou shalt not, thou shalt not, you are not moved because someone has fulfilled it for you. Fulfilled it for you. The next one is the word Lutru. Say Lutru. In the book of Titus, chapter 3, verse 13, it said, And looking for the blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us. In no more. Bible said he gave himself for us. And redeemed us from all iniquity. That he might purify unto himself. A peculiar people. Zealous unto good works. Titus chapter 3 verse 13 and 14. He might redeem. The word redeem there is the word lutro. So it's the same redeem, but they are different words. The word lutro is actually to pay the price. Lutro is to pay the ransom. So the word will read this way. Who gave himself for us and paid himself. He paid himself for our iniquity that he might bring unto himself a peculiar people. Have you not read what the Bible said? That you are not your own. You have been bought at a price. There's a petition on your head. All God had was what he offered for your head. You are as valuable as the sun. <laughs> because your value is equal to the blood of the sun. Ladies and gentlemen, a certain man said something I read recently. He said he's so careless. Every day he's losing a pen. Every day he's losing a pen. Then his person said, you are not careless. I'll help you do something. They went to buy a very expensive pen, $100 pen. And when they bought the $100 pen, after three weeks, he asked the man, how is your pen? He said, sir, I guard it with my life. He said, you are not careless. It's just that you bought valueless pens. You lose things because they don't mean nothing to you. If they meant something, you will sleep with it. <laughs> Remember when you were a child and you got the first kambu? The kambu is by your pillow. <laughs> because tomorrow is our day. <laughs> don't touch my shoe. <laughs> is valuable. We are as valuable to God as his own son. We have been redeemed. Oh, I love what Peter said in First Peter chapter 1, the verse number 18 to 19. He said, Dear beloved, ye have not been redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your former conversations which your fathers gave unto you, but by his own precious blood. By his precious blood. We have not been redeemed by silver. Neither have been redeemed by gold. Our value is more than gold. Our value is more than silver. Our value is the blood of God. Our value is the blood of his own son. We are as valuable to God as his son is. You must know this. If you know this, it guides in all spiritual warfare. You know where you stand. We have been seated though. Not on earthly realms. Heavenly places. Let me shock you about Lutro. Let me shock you quickly. Psalm 22 was the prophetic psalm of David. 
And the Bible says, David in the spirit was happy. You know, David was a, a serious prophet. That when he met Ahitophel, and Ahitophel betrayed him, he quoted and prophesied a scripture that was used in the New Testament. I have been betrayed by my own familiar brother. He said, my own familiar friend has stabbed me in the back. And this is David talking. He prophesied about his betrayal between he and Ahitophel. And it was a foreshadow of Christ and Judas. <laughs> David was not at the cross, but he saw more than John, Peter, ever saw at the cross. Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Verse 6 says something very beautiful. Go to 6. But I am, say, I am aware. And no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. Now, this scripture is a very serious scripture. And people have wondered, you see, you've preached all the other aspects, but we've forgotten that Jesus was also a worm. Say a worm. Say a worm. Kimolo, say a word. Go to Job, Job chapter 25, verse 6. <laughs> Job 25 says, He spoke about he be a worm again. He said, But I'm no man. How much less man that is a worm? And the son of man, which is a worm. He said, Man is a worm, but the son of man, which is a worm. I want to show you something interesting. Something is happening here. Now, the word that is a worm is the word Rima. In the Hebrew. And Rima is actually maggot. So Job is saying, how much less man? That is a maggot. But when he got to the son of man, which is a worm, he didn't use maggot. He used Tola. Tola is not maggot. Tola is another worm. Tola is a certain worm called the scarlet worm. It's called the crimson worm. The scientific name is the Cocos elysis. C-O-C-C-U-S-I-L-I-C-I-S. The Cocos Elysis. Rema. Man of God, do you know it's so serious? The Bible said in Isaiah 1.18, Come, let us be. Though your sins be as scarlet, Shema. Cocos Elysis. It shall become white like snow. Though it be as crimson, Cocos Elysis. It shall become like wool. said I am aware who then and what then is Cocos Elysis why should the Messiah have prophecy mentioning a certain creature before he showed up why is this aspect a hidden aspect that the prophet David prophesied but we didn't see on the cross I told you today there's a frying pan and there's a pan and there's an oven there are things you didn't see but it is there eternity is too short to tell us what he did in time oh you have no idea do you know how serious it is for him to be born as a human being so serious that when he was entering divinity he couldn't change he could he had to still carry humanity back it was irreversible when jesus became a man he couldn't reverse it <laughs> i don't know if you go <laughs> it was an irreducible state but he couldn't reverse so he carried humanity back into divinity and it is called hypostatic union. The reason why it is hypostatic union and it is in the realm of hypostasis is because when his divinity is showing, his humanity is also showing such that there is no confluence and there is no distortion. Humanity is flowing, divinity is flowing, and there is no interruption of each other. He is one person, but he's the same operating the two realms. He can feel, yet he can command. <laughs> he can weep with you, yet he can declare creation. And none of them interfere with the other. 
hypostasis. <laughs> it is a hundred percent communion of unions. Cocos illicit. Say cocos illicit. Now, when I saw that it was a well, that was different because I'm not saying cocoa. I'm not saying I was a cocoa. <laughs> Don't go and stop at the house. Cocoa says, please, can you give me cocoa illicit? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. He said, how much less that man that is a maggot and the son of man that is a crimson worm. Why crimson worm? Now, this worm is a very interesting worm. It is found in the Mediterranean. And this worm, I'm going to show you something. Follow me very well as I end my message. I know it's for tonight. We'll continue again. No, we are, today's, tomorrow we are coming in the morning, so. Yeah, let's try. Hallelujah. Don't, don't say, oh, so you provoke me. Just say, hmm, amen. Can you say amen? <laughs> amen to it. I beg, say amen. amen. I've been given. Cocos and lessons. Now, this, this, this worm is a very strange worm. Why Bible chose that worm in particular? Now, the worm is very interesting such that the worm lives its life and when it is about to give birth, it finds a tree or a pole to fasten to. And when the tree or the pole is fastened to by this worm, the worm begins to secrete a certain shell that is so hard, you need a special carpentry tool to scrape it off. Very sticky and very steadfast in its firmness. Now when it fastens to the the wood or the tree. What it does now is this. As it is on the tree, it begins to release its eggs. Then it's in the egg, in the cocoon. Very hard. You can't even hit it for it to break. So in that hard shell of a cocoon, the babies sprout forth. And when the babies sprout forth, these babies begin to feed. Not on milk, not on back, but on the mother. And as they are eating their mother, certain juices and certain chemicals in the mother, which is used for red dye, is used in the Jewish culture. When they, in fact, when these animals die, they are scraped off and they are grounded into powder and a certain chemical is used to extract that dye. That reddish dye, when it is extracted, they put garment into it. And that garment, when it is dipped into the dress, receives the color red. And that's how the Jewish people get their red garments. It is a stained garment by a dye. It's so indelible, no matter the wash you used to wash, the dress has become red. And when these worms eat the mother, all of a sudden, the red dye begins to splash on the young worms. And as it splashes on the young worms, the worm dies. And after three days, the worm becomes white. Cocos elisis. Imono no suta ta 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 la la ba. Rabebele shuka tamanises. The Bible says, For it became him. By whom are all things and for whom are all things. In bringing many sons to glory. To make their cup 
acting of their salvation perfect through suffering. When the man hung on the cross, the Bible said in Ephesians chapter 2, the verse number 14 and 15, and he has abolished in himself and has made in himself, he abolished in his flesh the law of color commandment and has made in himself one new man. So as Jesus hung on the cross, he became the outer shell, the hardened cocoon that became the source for the birthing of other babies. And ladies and gentlemen, you think that when you were born, you were born as a normal person. But the Bible said being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. What he was trying to tell you is this. When the side of the master was pierced and blood and water came out, your first stain was blood. Your first stain was blood. Blood began to gush on your face. Blood began to gush on your face because you were colored for life. You were colored for life. He said, my beloved is ruddy. That is the name of the son of God. He is called the ruddy one. And ruddy in the Hebrew means my beloved is red. <laughs> my beloved is red. Why is he red? Because he's the carrier of blood. As he was dying, he said that this well allows the young to eat it as their first meal. Do you know the last action of the well? was the first action of the children. They were eating the mother who was, that, who was acting in the last dance while the children were enjoying their first meal. Their mother's nutrients. Ladies and gentlemen, in Mark chapter 14, the verse number 22, the Bible said, when Jesus gathered in the upper room with them, he took the bread and said, this is my body. The last thing Jesus ate, the last thing the disciples ate was the lost body. It's like, that was the first thing they were eating to enter the new life. Oh, as the worm was eaten and by their own children, likewise we also at the last supper and you read the Bible that is the last thing Jesus did. He offered himself as the last thing. He was the last thing they ate. He was the last thing he ate before because if you read history, a lot of them were in fasting and mourning. So they couldn't eat till they saw him alive. What happened was that when they ate him, that was the last thing they ate till he resurrected. Because ladies and gentlemen, something was happening. Jesus himself said, I will not eat again till I eat this vine with you in the kingdom of my father. So Jesus is saying, I'm entering another realm. I'm entering another phase. But the last thing you eat as your beginning of life will be my body because I am the worm. I must be eating. And in eating me, you will be stained with blood. And in eating me, you will be captured into the glory of the confluence of the Godhead. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, and this way, it is said, the blood and the dye stains the children red for life and even the tree where it died. Today, it is a cross of shame, an emblem of hate to the world. But to the child of God, the cross is stained red. The cross is colored red because that is where the blood was shed for my glory. It was the place where glorification occurred. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you one thing finally. When it died, it died red, but it resurrected white after three days. Sunday, I'll go there, but let me shock you. When Jesus was dying, 
you've watched the passion of Christ well, even what they tried to cover him with, in history, he died naked. It's because of movie censorship, they put a towel down there. But he was stripped naked. So the man hung on the tree, color red. Because blood was staining everywhere of his body. But when he resurrected, John 20. And Mary perceived him to be a gardener. Why? Color white. And he was walking. He was walking with white. Nobody brought a dress there because he's a well. He died red, but after three days he became white. Ah. Ah. Sunday we'll go there. Why he was white? Mendo Coco and the Barat. Come, let us reason. Though your sins are stained indelibly, you shall become white as snow. Has he not said in his word in Romans chapter 6? That oh, should we continue to sin? Because grace abounds, God forbid. Know ye not that so many of you that are dead to sin live no longer therein? And the Bible says, Know ye not that as many as were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death. The man of God, the word baptized is the word bapto, and it is from the Jewish culture and medieval culture of dipping a garment to be soaked in a dye. <laughs> Because it is a crocus elysis. And the crocus elysis is the pigment and source of the dye. So when he was pouring the ink on these children, it was a typology of baptism. Because he took us and in death we were in him. And as we were in him dying, he was spreading himself on us. He was pouring himself on us. So it was a baptism. But it was a union in death. And the Bible said. Therefore like Christ was raised from the dead. By the glory of the father. You also should walk in the newness of life. Because if ye be planted in the likeness of his death. Then ye shall be found. In the likeness of his resurrection. Know ye not. That your old man. Is crucified with Christ. That the body body of sin might be rendered and destroyed, rendered jobless and rendered dead. Ladies and gentlemen, when we were being killed, we died in him. And as we were dying in him, there was a baptism going on. And the die for the baptism to stain us for life was his own blood. Dear beloved, there is a blood that speaks better things. I like how Hebrews mentioned it. He said we have come from Mount Zion the city of the living God to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in the book of the Lamb's life and the Bible said to the company of innumerable angels to the blood of sprinkling it means that if, if I don't know there is a blood moving around like a sprinkler it's sprinkling on me when I sleep it's sprinkling on me when I'm walking in town it's sprinkling on me when I'm driving it's sprinkling on me when I go to the market even if I'm not aware because if I died with him then I've been baptized into him then the ink that made Christ Christ has been poured upon me if he was red I am red if he is white then I'm white now whatever it is so are we dear beloved now are we the sons of God 
because it does not yet appear what we shall be like but when we shall see him we shall be like him and everyone that has this hope purifies himself if you know this you don't fight sin you walk in purity because you know you have been stained with blood you know the blood of an innocent is upon you and because of innocent blood you too you are called innocent because you are stained with blood and can I announce to you in Acts and Exodus chapter 12 he said they should paint the lentil with blood because anyone that passed under the doorway the blood dropped on their forehead and he said when I see the blood I will pass over you I came to announce to you and ye are sealed unto the day of redemption that sealing is the seal of the Holy Ghost when the enemy sees that seal it means treat with care handle with caution do not touch it belongs to another I came to announce to somebody hey there is a blood that has marked you out you can stand in a place with sinners you have not told them you are a Christian but the blood is speaking you have not preached yet but somebody is feeling uneasy you sit in the plane and somebody is being convicted because I am stained with blood I don't have the blood of an innocent man on my hand but I have the blood of an innocent God on my head I walk with the innocence of God I walk with the righteousness of God somebody give God the praise and shout hallelujah he said I am aware the son of man is the crocus Alexis. he has stained all of us that's why in the new testament you don't dip yourself in the blood you plead the speakings of the blood because you have been dipped at the cross in the cross of Calvary your baptism into blood your baptism into death you know why man of God in the ark of the covenant once upon a time when the sword was spinning between the two cherubims of glory in the book of Genesis chapter 3 when Adam was sucked out of Eden there was a sword spinning in the midst of two cherubims but when God told Moses to build a tabernacle listen to this in Exodus chapter 25 26 he said now build a veil and let it be three and four inches long and 300 feet high that tabernacle tent was very long and it was very thick about four five inches thick so a man couldn't tear it and that's why on the day Jesus died the tearing was from the top to the down the reason was that it was a so high tent such that if someone has to climb he has to climb from the top and cut through four inches thick curtain so when the Lord tore it into two the priest knew that they had crucified the wrong man because only God can tear it but man of God as you look at the veil the veil had two embroideries and it was the cherubims of glory but this time around the veil didn't have a sword and I asked myself what and the Lord said enter behind the veil and when I went behind the veil I saw the ark of the covenant
covenant and I saw the two cherubims again but I'm not seeing a sword and the Lord said take it easy look on top of the covenant the ark of the covenant he said what do you see I said Lord I see the message he said yes he said what is poured here I said Lord blood he said yes the reason why you don't see sword is because when the sword has made it the sword is replaced with blood I came to announce to somebody the moment the blood sprinkled on you know ye not that ye are dead and your life is hid with God in Christ Jesus when the Lord sees you ah ah man of God he came the prophet Balaam he stood upon the mountain of Peor and Balak said cast these people he said I shall see him but not now a shout of a king is in her midst how beautiful are the dwelling of the righteous he said who God has cursed let no man curse he said Balak Balak said Balaam I have paid you to do a job he said Balak stand by thy burnt offering and he said I Balaam the son of Beor the man whose eyes are open and as he began to prophesy he looked at Balak and said I have received a commandment to bless and not to curse he said I have not beheld iniquity in Jacob neither have I beheld perverseness in all of Israel but Israel was misbehaving God didn't say I have not known he said I have not seen and I asked God why and God told me I see through all I see by all I see in all but there's one thing that is opaque to me and that is the blood of my son anytime I see the blood I can't see beyond the blood the reason why you are accepted in the beloved is because you are sprinkled with blood there is blood on your forehead so no matter what you do it isn't that you have not seen but God said I have not seen it God said I have not seen it it doesn't mean God does not know you didn't fall but God said I have not seen your falling he will come to you and say mighty man of valor rise up and let's go you are like God but I just fell God said what falling are you talking about because there is a blood that is not calling for vengeance that is not calling for recompense but it is speaking better things the better things are forgiveness the better things are atonement and Christ being come and high priest or better things to come Ah, he has come as the better one. He has come as the better priest. Because in Hebrews chapter 7, the Bible says, and he has been made a priest after the law of God. Not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after his eternal life. I came to tell somebody, the crocus worm is the son of God. And he has sprinkled his blood on you. He has tamed you for life. You are marked out for life. You are cast for life. You are chosen for life. He has marked you out for glory. You are seated. You are seated. Today, as we say, the chance for overcomers is given to everyone that has been partaking of the blood. 
the chance for the overcomers so it is an open conduit it's an open check to him that overcometh anyone can overcome because your destiny is a throne ah your destiny is a throne and has made you to sit together with him there is a throne to be seated in because the one who is sitting on the throne is stained in blood so because of that blood connection i can also sit in that throne and i can reign with him in glory lift up your hands and shout hallelujah I'm stained. When they call your name in a shrine, the stained blood will show up. You must know. You must know and declare it. I'm stained with your blood. Let the bars capsize. The stained ones will come out. Because I'm marked out. I'm marked. I am not marked unto death. I'm marked unto life. I'm marked unto glory. I'm marked on to break. I'm marked on to great break greatness. I'm marked on to break through. I'm marked. I'm marked. I'm marked. I'm marked by the blood. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. It's finished. And the last one. It's called Apolutro. A man of God. Apolutro is this. I'm ending. He says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Being justified by his blood, we have peace with God. Can you put it there? Romans 5.1. By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand. And hope and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. After Lutro paying with blood, there's something called reconciliation. He didn't end the work by just paying for us and walking about. He restored us into sonship again. He gave us the rubric salt that we are free from slavery. We are delivered from the laws of slavery. Master, though he's our master, he said, present your members. Slaves being asked, I beseech you, dear brethren, that you present yourselves. Slaves don't present the offer because they are demanded to do so. But the man has restored us to sonship. So even though we are slaves, we are slaves who are free. In fact, the kind of slaves we are is what Exodus mentioned, that we are the willful slaves and love slaves of the master. We chose to come to him and say, sir, all my life you have done me good. I choose to serve you. So the Bible says, the ear is bored, the thumb is marked, and a great toe. The ear that is bored with a hole, with an earring, is a sign of slavery. So those boys wearing earring, I don't know who they are serving when you put a ring in your ear, it means this ear is for one master. Two masters can call me. It's only one voice I hear. And my boy, Asun Diamond. Guy. 
I don't know who is your master and whose ears your ears are aligned to. But he says, Apollotros, we are restored to fellowship. So now we can come boldly. And listen to what Hebrews chapter 10 19 says. Let me end with this one. Therefore, calendar, dialects are Oh, my God, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. Not by our fasting, not by our anointing, not by our prayers, but by the blood. Because somebody, you are sprinkled. So when you show up before the truth and say, Daddy, I need your attention. The father can't say no, even if you just came from adultery. That's why I love David. David was a prophet, so after he sinned, and daddy, he says, God, you know something? You, I know I've sinned. They gave birth to me in sin. I was shaping iniquity. There's nothing I can do about it. But I know that you are angry. I'm not going to dispute that you are, you are not happy. But as you are angry, just do something for me. Don't take your Holy Ghost away, number one. Can you imagine? The man who has sinned is making demands. And as you are at it, renew a right spirit. And give me my joy again. You see, the man is in sin, but because he knows he's marked, he can make some demands. And I love how God went about it. Saul sinned and was arrogant about his sin. But David sinned and said, give me your Holy Ghost. Take everything. I like the Holy Ghost. And renew my, my, my joy again. And renew a right spirit so I don't go off again. And after all that, God said, you did a greater crime than Saul. And so David is a man after my own heart. If you understand where you stand, God loves you, eh? Have you read the Bible? There are people who spoke to God as if God was the Akoiko. It's because of this. The word boldness is parashia. Bold speech without regard of protocol. That's the meaning of parashia. It's like you can talk to a senior as if the senior is your, 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 your level, your friend, your Akoiko. That's it. Elijah went to God and said, am I better than my fathers? It's as if he's talking with insolence. And God is the one pleading, oh, don't talk like that, Elijah. What is your problem? I have... He said, no, I want to die. God said, no, no, don't say that. He said, am I the only one? I'm the only one. He said, no, they are Samita. He said, no, 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 you're not hearing what I'm talking about. God, I'll die. God said, I beg, don't die. He <laughs> said, okay, okay, okay. Since I'm convinced you don't want to hear, go and look for Elisha and anoint him. And God, can you imagine? When he also met Elisha, he just got to Elisha and said, he didn't even tell him you are in my stead. He just dropped the two and he said, I started walking. <laughs> if you don't understand, I'm going. Because me, I want to die. <laughs> I don't know. Because if you read the Bible, he didn't even do the second aspect. He didn't go anoint the king. He just took Elisha, dropped that thing. And somebody who's supposed to take you your stead, you have been finding ways to evade him. Do you know something? I'm going to the Jordan to offer sacrifice. I'll see you later. And Elisha has to be smart. I don't, the God said, anoint him in your stead. And you are trying to let this guy evade the anointing. You are lying to him that I'm just going to offer sacrifice. I'll see you next week, okay? You want to know you will come back. Yet he's the one you should anoint. Met the guy, just dropped the thing. Can't talk. Elisha is the one saying, <laughs> went to kill everything. Say, I'll see you later. There's a certain prophet who has dropped mantle on me. And God was saying, after all his impudence and insolence, read the Bible. A chariot didn't carry Elijah to heaven. Bible said the chariot escorted him but it was a whirlwind that took him. So the whirlwind was carrying him while the chariot was just displaying. It's gone. After this insolence, 
Because God, he was standing in blood so he can talk to God as co-equal. One day I was praying, God said, do you know the meaning of fellowship? Koinonia. It's from the word koinos. Koinos means common. Fellowship means you come to a place where you and God are common. You can even give God a pet name. Ha, Krita, you know something? Krita, I, I, you know, like you have a pet name for God and God is happy about it. Because you are common. Blood. Pineal Abraham has the audacity to tell God, you know, if there is 50, don't destroy anybody in the land. Uh, okay. I don't know, Lord. Oh, okay. If there is 40, don't destroy. Uh, the God of this universe, I know you will not be angry. If there is 30. And God is not saying, young man, make up your mind already. No. He's still talking. I think 20 will be fine. I think 10. Then God is waiting and saying, are you okay now? Don't you want five? He said, no, I think 10 is, 10 is fine. He says, that's okay. And the Bible said, the Lord went on his way. It means Abraham had the capacity, audacity to keep God from going where he wanted to go. After he said, you can go now. Then the Lord went on his way. So he said, the Lord said, thank you very much. Went to Benson. By the blood. This thing, I want to tell you something. You are seated with him. Prayer does not make you close to God. Prayer engages your closeness to God. Because according to scripture, you're already close to him. According to scripture, you're already sitting by him. But prayer is, you are talking to the one you are sitting close to. If you are not praying, it's like you and God are loggerheads. Because he's also gentle, he's always looking at your face. He's doing pss, pss, And you're also looking at the phone. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Barcelona. Oh. Uh-huh. What's your problem? That's what you are doing to God. And he's sitting by you. The creator of all universe, the power of the galaxies, is just a seat away. And you are quiet. So when God wanders at, you must understand, for the Lord wondered that there was no intercessor. Because the intercessor is seated by him, but he's not talking. And you too, when you get to heaven, you wonder that your job was just five more minutes of intense prayer every week away. And you didn't pray. That is where you also wonder. Ah, I have missed all the things I went through. Useless. Because I was focusing on wrong things. I was not engaging and seated together with him. Apollutrosis. We have been brought to the right place. We are seated in the family of God. Where to the praise and the glory of God. He has made us acceptable. Accepted in the beloved. If we are accepted in the beloved, who is Jesus Christ, then if we, God has accepted Jesus, then we are also, and accepted us in Jesus, then we are also acceptable as Jesus. Then we are also acceptable as the only beloved. What are you doing with your raising up with him? You boast about people being your classmates. Do you know what this means? This is resurrection mates. We re- ah, 2000 and we rose up together. He vanquished kingdoms together. I sat with him together and I come to the earth and elements are beating me. Abba. That's why prior to this, he said, when you were in your formal conversation, being tossed to and fro by the elements and the wind and the power of the prince of the air, it, because you were just, you were being moved in the heart. But he had been raised with him. 
is finished. You can't be sick beyond the permission of sickness you allow in your veins. I can be sick. I can be sick. You see, say it you are convinced. I can be sick. It shows up, I can be sick. You are vomiting blood, I can't be sick. You have a hospital card, I've never been sick. No, don't say when I used to. No, it's not even a testimony. When I was sick, hey, I've not been sick before. Because fact is that there's I have a hospital card. Truth is that I have never been sick. Because when he raised me, he didn't raise, raise me a sickler. He raised me far above. He raised me potent. He raised me strong. So I can't and I have never been sick because that is the truth. Let the weak say I'm strong. Weakness is fact. Strength is truth. So the truth is I've never gone to the hospital before. That's why you listen to some of our fathers. They have horrible stories of death. Losses and all that. But you will never hear them glorify it. It's as if they've never lost something before. It's as if nothing has happened to them. But ladies and gentlemen, we have been raised. Why? The man on the cross is reigning as if he never died. The man on the cross is dominating as if he was never thirsty. This is where you are. <laughs> Your history is the cross. Oh. Bow your head somewhere. I just, I just want you to do something tonight. Psalms of Solomon 2 said, Comfort me with apples, but stay me with flagons. Psalms 8 verse 6 said, Let it be a seal upon my heart and upon my arm. For love is as strong as death, Jealousy as cruel at the grave. Many waters cannot quench love. Many tribulations cannot stop what he did. I want you to just close your eyes to the Father. I want you to speak to the King of Kings. Now God, I'm raised with you. I'm seated with you. But I'm living my life as if I'm alone. I'm living as if there's no one behind me. I'm living as if I have no backup. But today I realized I'm raised with you. I'm seated with you. You stained me with your blood. I have been marked out for life. 